Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hey, what's up and welcome to another episode of Serious Issues, a weekly comic book podcast coming to you a little bit later than usual because one Sorry. of us has been throwing up. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's been the worst. Um, and of course, we're referring to me. I spent the weekend drinking at Splendor in the Grass in Byron Bay, and uh, just just throwing up constantly. What was your um, so What was your festival look? Festival look was myself covered in vomit, <laughs> um, trying to get into Kendrick Lamar. No, I uh, I uh, wore the same pair of jeans for the, you know when you like you bring a few outfits and then you fuck up the first outfit and you're like, well, all the other outfits are going to get fucked up too. Yeah, and then you just. You just lock in that outfit and Absolutely. you think it's more and more covered in dust and then you spend the rest of the week back at home wearing the good outfits instead. That's nice. Yeah. Good job. Um, how are you? Are you feeling not great? Um, this is the best I've felt in a little while. I have been... I don't even want to talk about it. It was so traumatic. It was the what worst. What did you get? <laughs> just, just gastro. To be honest, for a little while there, um, I thought that Jim, Jim from King's had poisoned me because I, <laughs> I ate some food that he cooked and I got sick like immediately afterwards and I was like fucking Jim I knew Classic this would Jim happen move. I never should have eaten something that Jim made but then never everyone... trust a man never trust a man with six syllables in his last name that's what never, I've always said never trust a man whose real name is Dimitri <laughs> but gets called Jim because Australia is so racist um, and I guess my last comment kind of ties into that pretty well <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway this is Serious Issues uh, every week we talk about last week's comics my name is Levins my name Her is Sean is Siobhan, and uh, we get all the comics that we talk about each week from the great King's Comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, great at everything except food, apparently. Uh, no, it turned and, out it was okay. You're all right, who, Jim. What was it? What do you reckon it was? Uh, just run-of-the-mill gastro. got to get it from somewhere. Yeah. I, I say blame Jim. Yeah. <laughs> I blame my baby. Okay. You shouldn't let a one-year-old cook for you. <laughs> Uh, If you want to find any of the comics we talk about on the show today, you can find them at King's Comics, Mm -hmm. which is 310 Pitt Street in Sydney, or at the website kingscomics.com. Now, we begin every episode of Serious Issues by going through all the number ones that came out last week. And boy, howdy, there were a lot of them, and I didn't read heaps of them, because I had grand plans to... uh, I DJed for like, I think I worked it out, it was like 26 hours all up over the course of the the festival. Wow. Um, Oh my God. And I was like, yeah... I'll have spare time, but because I was DJing from 12 till 4 and then again at midnight, 
uh, I was like, yeah, I'll go back to my tent and I'll just chill out in the afternoon and read comics. But by the time I get back to my tent, like the sun would go down. <laughs> oh, did you have to so sleep not- in a tent as well? Well, because I was like sleep working till late and then had to be there by midday. Nightmare. Like, what's the point of like going to town an hour out of a festival for? I mean, a, a good a good mattress, I guess. That sounds like my literal worst nightmare. I fucking hate festivals. Ugh. The key is you get super drunk and then everything's fine. Yeah, I suppose. You hear that, young teens listening? That's the key to enjoying festivals. Uh, so let's talk about some number one issues in our segment, First Things First. Um, there are a lot this week that I reckon you might win this week as far as books that I was just like, I don't need to read all these. Yeah, yeah, look, there were a couple that even I was like, ah, I can't quite be bothered. Um, but let's kick off with, I guess, the highest profile release this week, and that is Marvel's The Life of Captain Marvel, number one, um, which is a new kind of... Not quite an origin story um, of Captain Marvel, but delving into the character's past for the first time. Uh, it's written by regular series writer Margaret Stoll uh, and features a pretty wonderful art team of uh, Marguerite Savage. I always don't. Savage? Savage? Sausage. Marguerite Sausage. Sausage. And we've also got Carlos Pacheco. Um, and Raphael Fonteris on his inks, um, colors by Marcio. Uh, Manners as well. Uh, I, I've not read Kelly Sudeikonik's Captain Marvel run. Neither. I I enjoy Carol, aka Carol Danvers, aka Captain Marvel, on a team book, but I've yet to attach myself to a solo Captain Marvel book before, and um, it certainly wasn't the Margaret Stoll run, which I gave like maybe four or five issues a shot when she started on the book about a year and a half ago. Mm. Um, the, the very short run before that I quite enjoyed, which was written by the two showrunners or writers for the um, Agent Carter TV series. I actually really liked that. Um, but that was much more, again, that was pretty much her on a team with this, you know, like yeah. Puck was there and like um, uh, the girl with green hair. Yeah, um, Abigail, so, whatever. Yeah, so characters I already enjoy were, were part of the team and there were great cameos from lots of other space characters. So it felt a lot like a team book. Like, I'm not saying that that she's a character that that can't uh, you know hold up her own solo series. She but she is, is very boring. Yeah, I, I I don't know what it is. I just I've I'm I'm yet to be convinced by a writer that hers is a story that I want to read. Because it's always uh, just like she's just like a hard ass soldiery type who's like yeah. I love cats and that's my personality and you're like yeah. oh god <laughs> that's dire. Um. So before. Captain Marvel was a was a US Air Force pilot and before she then became, got her superpowers and became the world's most powerful super being, uh, she was a girl, uh, just a girl from New England. Just and this a is girl. her story. Do-do-do-do-do-do. Do you know um my daughter Matilda, who is almost two, can say Gwen Stefani? I did I did see that clip of that. That's my favorite thing ever. <laughs> Gwen Stefani. Yeah, why? Why does she say Gwen Stefani? I don't know. My wife sent me a video of me of her saying it, and now we think while she's at that great age of her being able to just like repeat whatever we ask her to in hilarious ways, we're just going to do like series of like I might get her to name all of the full names of the Spice Girls. Yes. Or like yes, you know, just actually going through like an X Men team could be fun too. Yep, absolutely. Remy LeBeau. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, the life of Captain Marvel. Um, I went in this with an open mind, uh, but I, like it wasn't a bad comic. It was just for me, like, like so many Captain Marvel comics I've read before this, just a whole lot of nothing. Yeah, it was, it was very fine. Like 
Not in that makes it sound positive. It was just I felt no feelings. I really like the Marguerite Savage pages. But Me other too, than so that, much. Um, Even the Pacheco pages I enjoyed, like, you know, for kind of classic superhero artwork. Yeah, and, you know, I like the attempt to kind of humanise her and have her be like, I can't be a superhero for a minute. I have to go and do family shit or whatever. Like, I thought that was at least, uh, you know, a good try. But you don't, you don't make her the just a girl from New England by having... Like, because basically some horrible shit happens to her family. Um, and some horrible shit happened yeah. to her family because in the past. But like, it was really hard. Uh, did you find the timelines kind of hard to follow in this? I did. And yeah, I don't know. I, I don't find the like, oh my God, my dad was having an affair in the past. I don't find that like a super compelling storyline. Didn't her dad always used to hit her mum? That's that. I mean, that they kind of laid it on pretty thick with, yeah. uh, with all the kind of tropey past stuff. Yeah. Um, I liked seeing Tony Stark in an MC5 t-shirt. <laughs> what does that mean? What's MC5? That's, you know, the band, Kick Out the Jams. I don't know. God, I'm not oh. cool. I don't go to festivals. <laughs> yeah, MC5 headline splendor in the grass. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, I wanted to like this, but I, I just don't, didn't, I don't care about it. Yeah, yeah, same, same. Make That's me care all. about Captain Marvel, someone. And so yeah, someone's yes. We need to go and read that Kelly Sue Conic run because yeah. we really like her as a writer. She just got announced as the writer for something over at DC. Aquaman, I'm so excited. She might make you be the first uh, writer to uh, first writer to make you appreciate um, what's her name? Mira. Mira. Maybe. I care about her so little that I don't even remember <laughs> her name. Uh, hey, uh, Marvel put out another number one this week, but you probably didn't read this one. It's the weird sure, all ages series. That I always pick up. Do you re- nice. did you read this one? No. Oh, cool. It's Marvel Superhero Adventures, um, which is an all-ages title. Um, this week it was Ms. Marvel and the Teleporting Dog. So it's a team-up between Spidey, Ms. Marvel, and Lockjaw. Nice. Um, it's really, really sweet. Um, and it's written by Jim McCann with great art by Dario Brizuela. Um, colors by Chris Sotomayor. Um, and uh, I think these are like semi-based on like young readers kind of stuff mm-hmm, so they're mm-hmm. very very simple but they are it's a great introduction to the character of Ms. Marvel if you want to introduce someone uh, young in your life to the character um, this is a, a great a great thing to kind of get them into the um, the main series which is you know for when so they get a little bit older yeah and so um, I don't need to read any more of these I think I'm going to stop unless I see characters that I really love on the front cover uh, but this is a, another solid entry and there's cool little one shot series that we get each month called Cute. Marvel Superhero Adventures nice over to DC <clears throat> Um, and uh, they put out two number ones this week that I read the first 10 pages of, and then was like, I get the gist, I'm done. <laughs> I didn't. I, I didn't read. What? What did you read? What did I miss? Injustice oh. versus Masters of the Universe, no. number one. Now, actually, no. ten, ten, 10 pages is generous for this one. Um, this is uh, written by Tim Seeley with art by Freddie E. Williams II and colors by Jeremy Cow- Cowell. Um, I really like the Injustice series quite a lot. And um, I was like, cool, I know enough about that continuity to see a crossover with a cartoon Amen. that I watched on and off when I was a kid. Uh, but apo- like within like three pages, it's clear that this ties into the last um, Masters of the Universe crossover event that Tim Seeley and Freddie E. Williams did, um, which was He-Man and Thundercats. <laughs> 
which is like how much more niche could you could you make a comic? Um, and while I really enjoy Freddie E. Williams' kind of high fantasy art that he does uh, for this series, uh, yeah, I couldn't make it very far into this. It just didn't didn't hook me at all. Um, but mostly that's because of my distance from the property that it was involving. So it could have been a good comic, but for not good for the three people new- who have yeah. read everything that is necessary to understand that, I'm sure you'll love it. <laughs> uh, the other DC book was Teen Titans Go, um, special edition number one. Uh, it came out uh, before, the, before the movie comes out. The Teen Titans Go to the Movies is coming out very soon. Um, I'm excited for it. I like that series quite a lot. Um, and I thought it would be fun to read a very lighthearted all-ages DC book uh, featuring a series of short stories about the Teen Titans uh, living together and, you know, having their sandwiches go missing and getting into fights with monsters. Uh, have you ever watched Teen Titans Go? Not really. It's pretty fun. Yeah. It's definitely yeah, like, you know, cute. if you want a serious cartoon about superheroes, um, first of all, why? Second <laughs> of all, you're not going to enjoy this. <laughs> Um, but uh, I, look, it, it's goofy fun, and um, there's only so many strips I can read of a comic that's just goofy fun. Um, yeah. But uh, the first story in which uh, yeah, cy- someone steals cyborg sandwich, and it turns out to be a pizza demon um, right. that Ra- that Raven left in the fridge. Um, that was fun, but I didn't really read, didn't need to read much more beyond that. Uh, great cover by I don't know someone got Dan Hip. Good oh, on I you, love Dan Hip. Dan Hip. Dan Hip yeah. is actually amazing. Really cool cover. Everything um, so. he does is great. He's been doing the covers for them for ages. Cool. Yeah, real good stuff. Um, so did you um, not read Archie Batman oh, 66 crossover? Another one. I, I, I didn't make it far into this one either. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, me neither. Oh, no, that's a lie. I read the whole fucking thing because I forced myself to. Um, to really make sure that I hate Dan Parent's art as much as I think I do. And I do. I, I like Dan Parent's art. Why? What? what it's just like for like you know like the pages of like Batgirl on a on a bat bike. That shit's fun. But it's I think so could, like, like he's gotten a lot better in the last couple of years. But his art's still so static and just trying to be like Archie House style, but in a way that's totally like devoid of personality. I'm so mean hmm. to Dan Perrin, the poor man. I think I'm it sure works nice. for I, I think it works as a throwback, which is what he always does. I really liked his uh, your pal Archie thing that he did with Ty Templeton. Yeah, um, yeah but. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I just, you know, my, my son was extremely excited because his name is Archie and he saw this and it was Archie and Batman together. And Cute. he was like, can you read this to me, dad? And like, I made it like three pages <laughs> in and he was like, can we read something else, please? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think it goes without saying this does not appeal to a four-year-old. However, it does appeal to a 74-year-old, I'm sure. Yes, but no one, no one else. <laughs> uh, written by Jeff Parker and Michael Morecci, uh, pencils by Dan Parent, inks by Jay Bone, colors by Kelly Fitzpatrick. That's a good team, but that's a good team. Yeah. An excellent cover by uh, the Allreds. I had the um, Frank Avia cover. Mm. Oh, cool, cool stuff. Um, what do you want to talk about next? I've only got one more number one that I read. Oh God! But what was it? it was Euthanauts number All one? All right, let's talk about that. This one came out through Black Crown, the IDW imprint, uh, started by. Shelley Bond. Um, and this uh, features Teeny Howard on writing. Um, this is her next series after the very great Assassinistas that we loved. Um, and uh, yeah, it's called Euthanauts. And uh, it features artwork by Nick Robles. Um, and uh, basically it's about, um, uh, I guess, like a cancer patient in her last uh, days mm-hmm. is uh, having a having a one last meal with her family. Um, and... Uh, 
some a, a young woman at the table across from her is staring and kind of moaning about how could you you know can you imagine just knowing that you're going to die soon and spending an uncomfortable amount of time paying attention to this poor dying woman um, and then it turns out this woman is able to like cast a spell um, on on this young woman and they she binds them together and <laughs> I think you read that when you were drunk. I don't think that's what happened in this comic. Yeah, well, she, what okay. happens? Like she she so, belts her over the head, and I then. Know, but I like how you make it sound like the cancer patient is the main character of the book. The main character is the girl who's watching, who works at a um, funeral home and is really obsessed by death. Follows the woman into the bathroom. They end up having a conversation, and then the cancer patient lady brains her in the head with her oxygen tank, takes her into some half life weird space aka a spell (laughs) and then it's like they're gonna be some kind of half dead investigators or something it sounds cool bound together bound together (laughs) anyway this is really cool and weird and different and like the designs are bizarre yeah definitely it's Um, like what if steampunk was good I got in so much trouble for saying I hated steampunk in the last Queens of Kings who likes steampunk? Like besides seventy-four-year-old people who enjoy Archie and Batman crossovers. Actually, no, that's not a seventy-four-year-old thing. That's a very younger thing. Yeah. It's like so, sorry 30s. to all our young steampunk listeners. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a, a, a cool first issue. For yeah. A series. Uh, I, I've I've never seen any of um, uh, Nick Robles's art before, but I really liked it on this. Really like and, um, uh, paying attention to sort of style and aesthetics and like the the visual language of the characters very good awesome um so yeah euthanauts another good one for black crown absolutely um all jewel right. in the black crown ha, ha, ha. okay i read three more number ones mm-hmm. so first one is clan killers out by yep. aftershock written by sean lewis with art by antonio fuso um and sean lewis loves writing comics about ireland it seems but i don't think he's irish um <laughs> Sean. Look, it's an Irish name, but he doesn't (laughs) live in Ireland. Um, And it's about a particularly grim time in, I assume, fictional Irish history where there is like an evil king who seems to have gone mad and he's got three... It's when you two put their album on everyone's iTunes without asking. The Darkest Hour. Um, Anyway, and he's got three daughters and one of them is like, my dad's crazy, I've got to behead the goddess Balor... (laughs) Um, so that I can stop my dad murdering everyone all the time because his dad, her dad just sits on a throne of skulls and kills everyone. Um, and so she and her best friend, who's an orphan, um, who wants to escape the evil priests that he lives with, are going to um, bring some fire and damnation down onto the evil king. I really liked it. Cool. It's cool. It's weird. It's definitely very different. Um, it's fairly like grim and there's lots of Irish swears and, uh, you know, stuff like that. It's pretty like violent and sexually grim, but, um, they say feck. They say feck. That's the first, literally the first word in the whole comic. Wow. Feck. Yeah. <laughs> first page. I was like, oh, here we go. Is it going to be well, like hey, Father it's... Ted? No. Feck, not like feck your Ted. beliefs, my friend. Yeah. Great. Um, stuff. there's like nuns brandishing knives and stuff like that. I really enjoyed this. The colours are kind of funny. It's a little bit washed out, but I think it works for the sort of um, 
slightly made up historical time period. Yeah, I like this. It, it's cool. got some. It's got some um, fantasy elements, so you might not. Irish enjoy slash that fantasy. Much. Your two, least favorite genre. Two strikes. <laughs> um, I also read issue one of Aphrodite Five from uh, Top Cow imprint at oh. Image Comics. So by- I saw the Top Cow logo and I was like, nah, pass. And then I realized, yeah, Brian Hill is the writer on this. I should have read this. Yep. One. Brian Hill um, and Jeff Spokes on art. I've never heard of Jeff Spokes before, but I really like his stuff. It's slightly photo referency, I suppose. Um, That's okay sometimes. Like, but you know. the panel layouts are really interesting and I think he really nails a sort of uh, grim future vibe with it. So the Aphrodite series has been going for a long time and I've never read any of it because Top Cow um, and it always just seemed like another sexy assassins. But they do quite a good job of this being um, a really easy jumping on point and actually like a pretty compelling uh, post-apocalyptic, not post-apocalyptic, but like scary future world. And so the Aphrodites are a number of uh, like sexy cyborg assassins. Mm-hmm. And they, they even there's a bit where they explain like they have to be beautiful because their enemies underestimate beauty. Mm. <laughs> All makes sense. Um, and now she's coming back to kill her creators or something. And there's a sort of tech billionaire guy who's going to help her out. And so there is a bit of like I'm sure there's stuff in this that you would enjoy more if you had more of a knowledge of the previous series. But I did enjoy this way more than I thought I would probably the most i've ever enjoyed a top cow book and the colors are really good the really yeah, it looks sort like of, the same the same it, colors you get on a franco francovia book yeah very sort of inky black noiry cyberpunky future vibes sweet yeah really cool liked it a lot i'm gonna keep reading that i'll have to catch up um last number one i read is the mall issue one <laughs> I was, I, this was this looked really intriguing when yeah. I opened up the first page and it was like kind of by the numbers crime someone gets called a goomba yeah <laughs> look it's pretty hilarious so this is from Scout Comics um, it's written by Don Handfield and James Hake the Third illustrated by Raphael Lureiro hmm. I don't know who any of those people are coloured by Diho Lima. Um, mm-hmm. And so this is, it starts off as a fairly like normal crime book and then really quickly switches into like an 80s teen movie. You're like, what in the, what in the fuck is going on? So you see this crime boss get killed and then you start following three very different teenagers around a sort of rich girl um, from an elite private school, a boy who is about to move to her private school on a football scholarship, and then a young Mexican boy who washes windows with his dad. Um... And they all, we sort of see them interacting and, you know, getting beat up and blah, 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 blah. And they all have pretty, like, troubling, grim lives. Um, They want to sort of escape in some sense. So they all then get letters from a mysterious um, scholarship. Yep. At the mall. A mall scholarship. The the best way to get a scholarship. (laughs) And so they all go to the mall before it opens and some guy sits them down and is like look see this crime boss who just got killed in the first part of the book he was all of your dads (laughs) (laughs) and he left you each a shop in the mall 
I feel so dumb for not reading this now. It's That's really amazing. Fun. Yeah, it's really good. Cool. So what are the what are the different shops they get? Like does one someone get them, like a pretzel shop and one of them gets a organ shop. The Mexican boy gets an organ shop that sells like, you know, Wurlitzers. Um the uh girl gets a pet shop. Yep. And the um football boy gets like a, a shoe shop, which hilariously he stole a pair of sneakers from earlier in the book. Uh, and he's like, I justice. can't believe I stole from myself. Ha ha ha. Um <laughs> Anyway, and then it's sort of like, oh, and then in the end, they accidentally also kill a crime guy. Another crime boss who's Another actually their mother. <laughs> anyway, I thought this was going to be really terrible, and then I fucking loved it. What a weird yeah, idea. Well, okay. What a bizarre I'll, I'll concept. I've got this in front of me. I'll read this tonight. This looks, it's so stupid. Yeah, it's, right. it's like the most like different thing that I've read in a hot minute, and I really enjoyed it. Fantastic. Well, Siobhan, I also read something that you read last week, which is Conko and the Fudge. Ah, cool. What do uh, you think? Number one. I loved this so much. Yeah. Uh, this is a, uh, a local For Us comic uh, published out of uh, Newcastle uh, in Australia. Or are they Sydney-based? Newcastle, There's, I think. There, there, are, there are ads for the Newcastle Pro Wrestling uh, Foundation. And the guy uh, who illustrates it is a tattoo artist. Right. Cool. So, yeah, it's uh, written by Goonie Tunes with art by Butch Mapper. Um, I loved the art so much. Even when, like, when it starts out, I mean, this is about like an old-timey wrestler. Um, and uh, in the opening uh, kind of prologue, we see he, you know, which is set back in the olden times in 1921, we see him, uh, you know, challenge everyone in a crowd to an arm wrestle. And no one can beat him, and then a girl beats him by distracting him with a kiss. This is all in black and white. And then when we hit the present day, there's a brilliant page where we just see uh, her, the, the poor wrestler waiting for the love of his life on a tree stump. And then we see uh, it cut to the future 20 years at a time. So it's like 1930s, 1950s, 1970s, 1990s, 2010s. And the, the panel is just cut into, into five strips down um, with, uh, with our, our hero in the middle still on his, on his tree trunk getting covered in trees and snow. Um, and you just see like, like slight changes over the years. And, you know, this is a really great page to show the passing of time. Um, and uh, when he wakes up, the circus is not what it used to be. And uh, all of his circuit, circus friends are very excited that he's back to, to hopefully save the day. Um, and uh, it was a really, really fun and simple premise um, with a great repeat of the um, kissing to distract mm-hmm. your opponent um, joke at the end, which I absolutely adored. Yeah. Um, he basically he kisses a bear, which is just the best. Um, and yeah, I I loved this. I yeah. I really hope we get more issues of this soon because uh, I want to read all of them. Um, yeah. well done to everyone over at Gorilla Press. They're um they're hoping that issue two is going to hit the shelves in November. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be keeping in touch with them, so I will keep you guys all posted. But you can get copies of that at kingscomics.com. Um, or you can check out uh, gorillapress.com.au. Mm-hmm. Um. And like you know, we talk a lot about how hard it is to get a comic published. And when we when we talk about that, we're talking about America. It's so much more trouble to do it here, yeah. Where there's way less printing options and just not a scene comparatively yeah. at all. Um, so so cool for anyone to be doing things by themselves. Like I know we talk about zines a lot, but to actually do like a an issue of an ongoing comic series, it's it's a it's a bold move that like you know probably won't pay off. And so. If you are on the hunt for cool creators, if you often listen to serious issues and think, oh, you know, like these guys always 
recommend books that we really like or you know if you just like comedy books Conco and the fudge give it a shot try and check this down i really really like it and uh, tell the creators that you liked it as well because uh, those are the things that make up for the complete lack of money that they're going to be getting out of uh, an investment in uh, publishing their own comic absolutely um Conco and the fudge check it out I've, I'm, I'm really really glad that it's on my radar because it's great um so that is it for uh the first issues um of the last week um, if you want to discuss any of the new series you picked up, um, oh, please come over to our Facebook group, which you can find at facebook.com slash groups slash Serious Issues Podcast. Uh, Siobhan, Image put out like 12 issues yeah. of, uh, of comics. So uh, since they've got the, that's the biggest glut of comics I've got on my desk, let's talk about Image. Let's do it. You want to pick the first thing? Um, let's talk about the last issue of uh, Dry County by Rich Tommaso. Cool. Okay, Dry County by Rich Tommaso, who wrote and drew and coloured and did everything on this book. Um, we loved uh, Spy Seal, mm-hmm. which uh, Tommaso's comic last year. Um, she Wolf, and, uh, I love She Wolf as well. His yeah, um, yeah, and, horror uh, comic. And I read, th- I read that other one that they re-released recently. I can't remember the Clover, name. Clover, Clover Honey. Yeah, that's the one. That was cool too. Um, and this d- is definitely comparable to that. Um, it's a kind of crime book featuring an absolutely hopeless main character whose name is Lou Rossi, um, who isn't really that likable and isn't really that good at being in a crime book. Like he's just like, <laughs> it's described on the cover as an every man crime series. And that's exactly what Lou Rossi is just a, a, a bit know, of a schmuck, a, a bit of a schmuck. Exactly. Um, and uh, one thing about Rich Tommaso, um, which you might not know if you've only read Spy Seal, which definitely like kind of played into all the tropes that come with an anthropomorphic uh, adventure series is that he often does his crime books at least, uh, they build up and then don't really have the payoff that you would expect from a crime book. Mm. Um, or, or he, or he, you know, he, he writes books in the genre where th- you don't necessarily get a payoff, which is definitely a, a, a trope when it comes to noir. Tales, yes, absolutely. Is, is one. Um, and uh, yeah, this whole thing was about basically he, he, he's a cartoonist uh, working in a newspaper that he doesn't like. Um, and he meets a girl, um, falls in love, then she gets kidnapped. Uh, she has two dodgy ex-boyfriends um, and he tries to rescue her. Um, and he does so by leaving clues for her to read in his uh, newspaper cartoon. Um, and uh, there's a whole bunch of other weird shit going on in this world. Um, I've, I've compared it to the great Dan Klaus, uh book, Like a Velvet Glove, Cast in Iron. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not quite as bizarre as that book gets, gets but uh, tonally it felt very similar. Um, and Tommaso's artwork is quite similar to Klaus's as well in parts. Uh, what did you think of the finale? Uh, I loved it. I think it tied everything up really nicely. I like the sort of... Um, the, the How normal kind of it felt. Like, it wasn't a dramatic ending. You just kind mm. of discovered all the answers and saw his life gets a little bit worse, but not that much worse. And he doesn't get the love of his life, but that's all right. He's going to fucking keep on trucking because life goes on. Um, yeah, exactly. It wasn't like a, uh, a Brubaker book where like he's, you know, dead and narrating yeah. his own like murder at the end of the book. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it reminded me a lot of like, um, like trashy crime novels that I would sort of devour as a teenager. And, you know, when it's like, uh, I feel like we could get so many more Lou Rossi stories yeah, this um, is hapless, hapless pizza guy. <laughs> and I would, I would read them forever. I love it. Yep, really, really great. Um, and you know, we, we we bring up comparisons to trashy writing, and it definitely isn't trashy writing. But what really makes this book excel is um, 
both the art and the overall design of yeah. the book, the panel layouts, the creativity um, with the text and, and uh, just like mm-hmm. little things that you don't expect from your comic book. This goes above and beyond in that regard and this will make a really, really beautiful trade, hopefully in hardcover when it comes out too. Yeah, I would I'd love, love it to see do. oversized. Well, I was going to say undersized. Uh, like a, the, oh, you know, like the, a little like, like um, paperback or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the same way, the same size that um, uh, uh, Dan, uh, what's his name? Uh, my favorite guy in the, world, in the world. The guy who did the Parker books. Um, who oh, was um, the, the best. Oh, my God. favorite cartoonist. <laughs> what's wrong with me? Why can't Darwin I Cook, Darwin someone? Cook. Darwin Cook. It's because I said Dan Klaus. Yeah. And that's another DC name. And I kept saying Darwin Klaus, <laughs> Daniel Cook. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it was Parker books. I'd love it in the same format as that. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, another image series that ended um, this week was Infidel. Um, oh. The fifth issue of this, which was fucking brutal. Um, yes. This is, a, uh, this is the opposite. Uh, this is like everyone dies. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, so this was uh, created by Pornsack Pichichote. Uh, Pichichote? Pichichote? God, we should just look up how to pronounce this. Or name. just call him. Hey, man, how do you say your name? Thank yeah. you. Cheers. Sincerely. The two whitest people who talk... Oh, no, not even. We're not even fucking close. <laughs> <laughs> um, Aaron Campbell, the other co-creator, um, Colors and colors by Jose Villarubia. And this is a, uh, a very modern take on the horror genre, mm-hmm. um, which I really appreciated. It's a very different book to what I would normally read. Um, it had, gave me some feelings of, like, 90s vertigo, um, but just in tone, not in style or, or, or delivery in, in any way at all. Yeah. Um, was basically like it's about a like a, a ghost or a demon that only people of color can see and that um is haunting a specific building um yeah. and sort of almost framing people for crimes Hate horrible crimes. horrible yeah, violent or crimes yeah um and, and it played on a lot on like you know our like you know our how how we kind of judge people for, for, for looking a certain way or yeah. you know even if we're trying not to the kind of things that we expect of certain types of people um, like all great I, horror it makes a monster out of the things that we're sort of afraid of exactly um, and uh, as well as the you know the, the main characters fears of, of, of all the other people around them too mm-hmm. um, look it was a really unsettling book throughout yeah. but I, I, I really really uh, rewarding absolutely read, I thought really really affecting um like genuinely affecting it's such a devastating end she, she loses everything um and it's it's pure horror in that sense and it's just yeah. so ugh. I love this book I love this book I'm going to be recommending this to everyone especially come Halloween this is going to be my go-to scary book that everyone should read yeah definitely um well let's keep things scary for a moment yes, again please. everyone check out Infidel if you want to be kept up all night and thinking about things you don't necessarily want to think about, but you're okay thinking about them. Um, another great horror book uh, that comes out uh, every couple of months is uh, through Images, Ice Cream Man. And uh, this week, Man. I reckon we've got the best issue so far. Um, this is a book written by um, W. Maxwell Prince with art by Martin Marazzo, who is quickly becoming one of my favorites. Same. Um, uh, Colors by Chris O'Halloran. Ice Cream Man is a uh, really, really... Uh, dark but like grim like black comedy almost uh, mm. horror, horror book kind of and, a, and, and like a um, uh, like a twilight zone book where you know it's like yes. a, every issue is a new one shot featuring a different scenario 
where a whole bunch of horrible shit happens to their characters and our, the main character the ice cream man shows up at some point sometimes he gives them a, an ice cream which turns out to be something else other times he's just kind of in the background other times he's wielding a shotgun <laughs> was he in this one at all? Uh, yeah he's, he, he, uh, he shows up at the very end oh I didn't realise that was him that's our boy the ice cream man except this time he's just a cowboy <laughs> yeah okay there you go that's why i was confused um and this is just a whole issue of a man jumping off a building and sort of uh thinking about his life as it happens and while all this really intensely horrifying shit happens in the building to, to one of her, his poor workers um, Everyone gets just, eaten just, by vultures. Just trying to escape. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's horrific stuff, but they're like quite nonchalant about being eaten by vultures at this yeah. big board boardroom, which uh, you know their boss also plummets out the the, the window. Or oh, no, he jumps off the roof and then kind of falls past them. Um, w- the whole thing is narrated by this man plummeting to his death. And uh, look, I make fun of a lot of uh, n- heavy narrated, heavily narrated comics. Um, I'm going to be doing so when I talk about Thor this week um, and how it, how it couldn't, you know, it really takes away from my enjoyment of comics sometimes. And so I laughed very, very heartily at the end of this book where, um, you know, the whole, the whole time it's being narrated by this guy plummeting to his death and talking about his life as we see all these other things happen in the book. And at no point did it actually annoy me, but he starts, you know, wrapping up the, the story and then the ice cream man just says, Shut up, will you? Yeah. <laughs> and the narration stops. <laughs> yeah, uh, fucking amazing issue. This great series comics, is so just, good. Yeah, so, so good. Excellent art, great colours, and a really, really unique idea for a series that I don't think ever could stay outside its welcome just because of the creativity of the creators involved. Yeah, just keep going. I wish they'd bring back their um, art crime series as well. That was so That was good. great. It would probably the Electric home, Sublime. But, uh, that's it. Mm. We'll probably have a better home and image too. I think so. Buy that um, shit image. Should we, should we say spooky and talk about Gideon Falls, issue five? Yep, cool. Definitely. Written by Jeff Lanier with art by Andrea Sorrentino and um, Dave Stewart on colours. This is the Spooky Black Barn book. Spooky Black <laughs> Barn. Horror, psychological horror, but also a literal, physical, scary black barn. Which shows up and crushes people, <laughs> we learn in this issue. And then steals them and takes them away. What in the fuckity fuck? Horrible. So unique. Um, and also unique uh, layouts from yeah. Sorrentino. Just really just letting loose with so many creative ideas throughout the comic. Um, really playing with, like, I guess, like, like you almost like psychological layouts. In yeah, a way. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like everything, every, some panels are just like this mind map of ideas. Yep. Um, really, really great, unique stuff. So we're following two two sort of different stories. A, a priest who's moved into a new town where there's a sort of secret society who are obsessed with discovering the Black Barn, which appeared years ago and um, took the son of um, one of the society members. And then we're also following a young man named Norton who sees the Black Barn and collects garbage to try and rebuild the Black Barn or something. But now his psychologist has also started seeing the Black Barn and she's quite scared. Yeah, and and is now turning to him for help, which is a fun little twist because uh, she just feels so helpless in this situation. And but- at the end of this issue, we see our uh, hero priest running is he a hero? head for... Well, not, I mean, he's the protag- protagonist priest. <laughs> um, 
running, running straight into Spooky Bond, Spooky Bond land. I love this. Yeah. Very, very unsettling book. Yeah. Real good. Real good. Jeff Lemire is such a... I know, like, we don't even need to see it, say it, but, like, I think I read two Jeff Lemire books this week and they're totally different and totally incredible and... Yeah. Um, yeah, he also did... He also did the uh, the variant cover of um, Infidel that I got this week too, which is really, really good. And he did um, um, the art on Royal City as well, issue 12. Which he wrote too. Royal yep. City issue 12 is uh, uh, his very, very personal series about uh, a family in America who, uh, lo- who lost um, their youngest member um, when he was a teenager. And uh, at the start of this series, they all see their, their lost family member at different stages of his life in like in in visions i guess or they all have like Im- imaginary friends mm. who take different aged forms of their lost sibling son or son um and uh this current arc um has been all about going back into the past and telling us how he died um and it's really tragic but we also get the news that before he died he uh fathered a child mm. And so this child has, uh, she's made her way, you know, obviously she's, she's a teenager now, probably older than her father was when he died. Um, and she has kind of made her way into the, the, the Pike family. Um, and this is how this, this series is going to wrap up, I guess. And there's like two or three issues left. Two issues left. Um, and it's been um, a very, very emotional, grounded ride. And I, it's like, for me, in terms of his um, sort of, stuff that he's done all by himself so like sweet tooth and some of his graphic novels this is essex county probably one of my favorites it's so personal and so emotional and the art's so gorgeous and the way that he um balances all the characters is so sophisticated um i just really love it have you read essex county no i need to that's my that's my favorite Lemire. yeah everyone says that um, and this is this is very in line with that I can't remember what that awesome one. He put out that graphic novel last year that we loved. Yeah, that was amazing. Somewhere. Whatever the fuck that was called. That was great too. About the um, retired hockey player? Uh, Roughneck. Roughneck. Yes. That's a good book, everyone. That's a great book too. Um, Yeah, weirdly, I think Sweet Sweet Tooth is like my least favorite of all those. And I I loved that. uh, I love Sweet Tooth. Yeah. Well, there you go. Royal City. It's great. An excellent cover this week too. Very, very good. That cover. Yeah. And I I like, you know, know, he, he has a... He has a habit of, you know, ending, ending things on quite a morbid note. It looks like that's where Descender, his uh, other, oh, no. other image book, is going to end up. But I like that we've got this, you know, moment of hope and positivity mm. uh, entering our quite depressing family's lives at the end of this series. Absolutely. Uh, so, we've got a whole bunch more image books. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, before we get into the relatively newer series that have started, I just want to talk about issue 38 of East of West. Go for uh, it. Written by Jonathan Hickman with art by Nick Dragoda and Frank Martin on colors. And man, like, you know, when I'm, even though you've not read this series, I know you can definitely know what I'm talking about when, Mm. uh, you know, Hickman throughout his Avengers run, his Fantastic Four run and his various uh, creator owned stuff, there will be those issues where you're like, okay, he's just setting up stuff for the future. I'm enjoying this, but like, this was not my favorite issue this week. But then when all the pieces line up mm. and you have just like this exceptional action comic mm-hmm. with like brilliant dialogue and all these, you know, years and years of payoff happening, 
this was one of those issues. Ugh, amazing. I, I just can't, I don't think comics get better than that. <laughs> He's so good. <laughs> He's so good. But yeah, that's like, and that's his specialty, you know? It's like just building, 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 and then crumbling, crumbling, crumbling. Yes. Yes, please. Um, Who does the yeah, art on that book? Nick Dragota. It's Dragota. awesome. Mm. Um, yeah, I fucking love this book. And actually the colors have never looked better than on this issue. Um, I'm not sure why. Maybe it was a different kind of tone issue than we, not, we normally get. But uh, yeah, there's so many pawns in uh, in this insane kind of post-apocalyptic-esque kind of, not even post-apocalyptic, basically like the America has been divvied up into different nations mm. and all those nations are at war. And so too are the, like, you know, the Knights of the Apocalypse, Pestilence and War and all those guys are in the mix too. And then there's all this just fantastic, massive, legendary figures that mm. are kind of playing the game too. And uh, in this issue, we there, there is there's someone who's making his way through uh, various characters who have wronged either him or the nation and is taking them out one by one. Hell yeah. Uh, it's, it's fucking great. It's so good. Um, and they all speak in just like enormous Hickmanisms, which yes, I please. love so much. <laughs> uh, I highly recommend East of West. You know, we're very... F- not far away from the next this final trade and that would be an amazing binge for somebody to do yeah absolutely one day uh, one day i'll do it so we got a whole bunch of new uh image series recently mm-hmm. and i've got some second third and fourth issues uh in front of me now mm-hmm. um should we talk about flavor let's do it because this was one of the best of them yeah uh, flavor issue three um by joseph keating with art by wook jin clark colors by tamra bonvillain um this is a book in which uh, basically, like the world is obsessed with food, but you have to have a chef's license to cook it legally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's like an underground food, like games, <laughs> like Hunger Games esque thing, where if you want like exotic ingredients to make your restaurants stand out, you have to like basically enter a um, an Iron Chef cook off with someone where the stakes are you could lose your life um, mm. by becoming, or a hand. Well, no, he, he, he's, he loses his hands in that he now has to wash dishes for the guy he lost to for the rest of his life. Yeah, but the guy he lost to has no hand. Oh, fuck. <laughs> so you can also lose your hands. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, to a man our main, char- dressed as our a main fish. character is just, is just trying to help her family business succeed. Because um, her parents and, uh, are sick. Yep. And it looks like uh, even though she makes a mean crepe Suzette, uh, nothing's going to go well for her very soon. And we're also simultaneously following the story of a young man who appears to be like the son of the president or something like that, who has just started at the Culinary Institute where you're supposed to go to get qualified, but doesn't seem very confident or seem to be enjoying himself. And they're connected, but we don't know why yet. It's just like such a sort of gorgeous, magical food world. Definitely. It could be a Miyazaki movie. Exactly. They have so many unexplained weird things like the ringmaster of the food games wears like a pigeon mask. Yeah. With just his kind of eyes poking out. It's really, really great stuff. And this is also a book with a food consultant. Yes. Ali Buzari, who writes a kind of uh, essay at the back about food that vaguely links to the, the story. It's really, really good. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. This is a really lovely book and it's a really lovely one to get in tra- uh, in single as well. Yes, definitely agree. Um, so that's flavor. Highly enjoy that. I also really loved the fourth issue of Skyward yeah. this week. Um, the deceptively simple um, concept of what if 
Earth gravity turned off mm-hmm. um, is the kind of prospect for, for Skyward's plot. Um, it's written by Joe Henderson with art by Lee Garbett and colors by Antonio Febela um, and follows the life of uh, a daughter who lost her mother when the gravity turned off and her father who thinks he can fix the, the gravity problem for all the world is terrified of leaving his house and being uh, in a place with no roof and no gravity. Um, and there's like we, we're learning more about the world in which organized crime and kind of like the one percent is people that that kind of invented weird magnet technology mm-hmm. so people can continue to live the way they used to um, but others have kind of embraced the lack of gravity and used it to get around faster and it's really really unique it's building up quite a big kind of action plot mm. um, and uh, every now and then we'll throw something really insane at you like the uh this is the first time we see a storm. Yes. In this, uh, and, and the storm is basically a big bubble of water that heads towards uh, the, the, um, all the, all the, all the buildings and stuff. Pretty awesome. So good. Yeah. I, I, the first issue I was like, yeah, all right. Uh, cool, I guess. Um, but yep. the, the, the sort of ideas that they're managing to use or, sorry, the way they're using the basic concept um, is so interesting and so fun and so clever and the colors are so gorgeous and the characters feel so well-rounded and yeah i love it same it's awesome really good such good stuff uh do you want to talk about the weatherman issue two yeah jody lahoop nathan fox and dave stewart oh sorry um (laughs) (laughs) this is a this is a weird book so in the last issue we find um we see that Everyone on Earth died or something for some reason. A whole reason. bunch of people died and on Earth. Now everyone lives on Mars. Yep. And it was all one dude's fault. And we see our, our hero as a weatherman who is sort of beloved by everyone because he's such a goofball. Um, loves his dog, loves his life. And then he is attacked, his dog gets killed, and he's taken in because apparently he killed everyone on Earth. But he has no memory of it. Because the theory is that the guy, the terrorist responsible for killing half the Earth, um, then had all of his memories wiped and became a new person, and uh, a special, you know, secret government force thinks it's this weatherman, um, and so they shoot his dog's face off. Mm. And we, there were way too many panels of this dog with half a face. No in, good. Uh, in this issue, uh, but this really feels like to me. Um, uh, a book by the guy Simon Spurrier. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. It's an enormous concept um, with like ten million things all happening at once and new things for you to remember. Um, so it's going to be a difficult one to read issue to issue. Um, but the art's know. very dynamic. That's true. And the color. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, 
like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Balls are great. Hmm. And I do think the concept is interesting. I'm going to try and stick with it as long as I can. But there were moments where I was like, wait, who is that again? What happened? I can't remember. Um, I've also got uh, the fourth issue of Analog. Yes, by please. Jerry, by Jerry Duggan. Um, and uh, they, 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 they don't write the, the actual full names of them. So it's Duggan, O'Sullivan, Spicer, and Sabino, um, the creative team on this one. Uh, and this is... Uh, I have trouble world. following this one. I like yeah, it, I was but I say, can't remember what it's about. <laughs> well, so this, is a, this, this almost gave me a, like an exit point. Uh, the, the story didn't so much as wrap up but it does provide an exit point if you don't want to really read any more of this yeah um, and because of how confusing it is to kind of remember basically the world everyone's internet information went public mm-hmm. and thus no one trusts the internet anymore so they either allow everyone to see every single moment of their life and embrace that lifestyle or they live completely off the grid and um, important information is shared uh, the uh, the analog way mm-hmm. um, in that um, there are people kind of like carting information from one person to another uh, via a suitcase and that is what our main character does. Uh, he's an expert. He's also one of the people responsible for... Um, Turning the internet off. That's right. Um, to begin with and, uh, and unveiling everything that everyone stored, on, all the secrets they stored on there. So he kind of has that in, in his past. Uh, this issue saw him taken to Japan uh, where he meets a series of AI uh, robots and animals and children. Um, and it really kind of took me out of what this book has tried to do before this. I kind of liked that it was like, yeah, mm. it's the future, but the only thing here is that they don't use the internet anymore. Yeah, and beyond yeah. that, it's still, qu- uh, you know, what you how your life normally is set in our regular time. Um, and I'm not sure if I liked that change. I don't think it was bad. It was just not what I wanted from this book. Mm. Um, I still like this though. The art's so cool, and I think that um, they're sort of dealing with interesting ideas in cool ways. And I liked the sort of weird artificial intelligence menagerie that's being sort of babied by these scientists. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, if, if if it's a quieter week than this week, I'll pick up the fifth issue yeah. of Analog. But uh, I'm I'm kind of happy to tap out now. I feel like it was a. I feel like there's not much left up in the air. Yeah. Um, the Magic Order is the Mark Millar book that I read the first issue of um, with art by Oliver Koypel. Um And I was like, maybe I'll give the second issue a shot. And then the first thing uh, is, this is all about magicians and like they're like magicians who, who are in organized crime. Um, and uh, the first thing, first bit of dialogue in the second issue is um, our escape artist. And she says, I guess I've been an escapologist since I escaped my own abortion. And oh, then, we, yeah. then we 
have a uh, yeah. A, is that uh, the one whose character design looks totally ripped off from um, Rowan from Black Magic? Yes, definitely. Um, yeah, so we have her um, like transferring herself and her placenta Ugh. as an unborn child into the midwife's stomach, and yeah, very fucking weird. Um, if I could pay Mark Millar to never uh, reference like abortions or like rape or rape, anything in his yeah. comics anymore, but both both are in this one, I think. I would be so pleased, so pleased. There's always cool ideas in these comics, but then there's just so many things that just make me go, ugh. But yeah, just, this is one of those things where it's just... They're cool ideas, like a, but then he yeah. executes them and his voice is, like, horrible. Lots of people horrible, die in this horrible. issue. Like, I think... I don't think he's... He, he tries to cram what most writers would do over 30 issues into six now. That's just his thing now, that perfect, like, you know, feature movie format. Just trying um, to sell shit to Netflix makes me... <laughs> sorry. I'm just so like, fuck, like, don't bother with comics then. Just don't bother, just write scripts and sell them to Netflix. Stop flooding us with your toxic bullshit. (laughs) So yeah, I want to leave us alone. (laughs) Leave me alone, Mark. (laughs) Um, Let's talk about Marvel next because they also wait. Hang on, I have two more. I have two more image books. What the fuck? (laughs) Okay, I read issue two of Proxima Centauri by Farrell Dalrymple. Um, Mm -hmm. of Pop Gun War fame. And this is the most, I would say, linear Farrell Dalrymple book I've ever read, um, narrative-wise. And it's still confusing and all over the place. But we have a sort of really obnoxious teen sort of science-y astronaut hero kid, but I fucking love him because he's just horrible. Just like a horrible proper teen. Like, fuck you, you're a dick. (laughs) All the time. (laughs) It's great. Um, Oh, God, I felt like I understood what happened in this, but it's really hard to understand. He's trying to find his brother is the key thing. Um, And then all kinds of crazy... Farrell Dalrymple style sciencey magic stuff happens and it's so gorgeous and so yep. bizarre and so confusing but worth it worth every every page every penny it's like it is like proper art you know what i mean yeah sure wow cool but also fun and full of teenagers that swear and hate each other i love it awesome um, and then i also read issue 2 of Stella by Joseph Keating um yep. and Brett Blevins your alter ego, Brett it's Blevins, um, who I didn't know, but is like a really old artist. And he does a really sort of touching, heartfelt essay in the back because he's been working on this book for like four, five years, he said, um, after right. his wife died of cancer. Um, and so this is a sort of superhero uh, sci-fi story. A young woman whose name is Stella is now fighting her former teammates because they might be evil or she might be evil. Um, but it's all sort of like, uh, we don't know all of the backstory just yet and they're building it all up. Um, but so some, we see kids being, um, drafted into this war and being given superpowers and it looks as if it's driven some of them mad, but this is some of the most gorgeous sci-fi, uh, sort of almost like, European, like a British 2000 AD style, crazy, gorgeous Barbarella fantasy um, sci-fi. And I just think it's like gorgeous and brilliant. And I think everyone should read it. Yeah, cool. Damn, I I don't remember really connecting with the first issue that much. 
the second issue, um, I I enjoyed a lot more. I have to say. Okay. Cool. Good to know. Yeah, I think it's worth it. I think it's worth tracking down. There you go, anyway, Stella, that's all my issue number that's two. All the image books I read. Oh, that's an insane amount of image books. Ugh, I know. Um, uh, so we've got a somewhat insane amount of Marvel books to get through too now, but we're going to start off with a really mm-hmm. good, like one of the best, and then finish on one of the best too, um, and with some okay ones. Yes, in please. The um, the Immortal Hulk, number three. Uh, this is a series that when oh. it was pitched, I was like, oh, that sounds like a cool idea. And I really like Al Ewing, but I've never really read a, uh, a ho- his take on Hulk before or mm-hmm. like a horror book, which he says that this book is going to be. Uh, so, you know, who, wa- who knows what this is going to be like? This is like the top of my stack every, t- every time it comes out now. And we're only yeah. three issues in. Uh, so usually this has um, just one artist in, uh, in Joe Bennett. Um, but... Uh, in this issue, um, we see the same event told from different points of view, which is one of my favorite things for comic books to do. There was a great um, Batman Legends of the Dark Knight issue that Garth Ennis wrote that was written from different points of view. And depending on how old they were, they saw a different kind of Batman. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. One of my favorite one shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, yeah, written by Al Ewing uh, with uh, the framing sequence by Joe Bennett. Um, we then see... Um, Leonardo Romero, uh, Paul Hornschmeyer, who is extremely unique, uh, kind of like, you know, underground comic style. And it was so good to see him show up in a Marvel book. Um, We had Marguerite Savage again uh, this week, doing great stuff. And then Gary Brown as well. um, And uh, Colors um, by Paul Mounts. Uh, But like, so basically, yeah, we see uh, a Hulk incident all told from different points of view, from people that see Hulk as a hero from people that see Hulk as a monster um, and uh, basically this whole book every issue is um, Bruce Banner using his Hulk powers to stop people suffering at the hands of someone else who's been affected by gamma radiation and in this instance it's someone called Hotshot who calls himself the human ray gun <laughs> so good um, but also and, uh, this was so clever because it sort of um, also charts like all these different ages of comic books so it's kind of this like awesome rundown of comic book history as well in a sense it's like a golden age superhero book and then it's like a a 70s or 80s underground comic and then it seems to be like a romance comic and then it's a sort of vertigo-esque horror comic as well all in one what more could you fucking want people in a marvel book and uh, yeah I know I just this is so so great and this is like you know when when I say things like, like these are the, these are the, I mean I, I know that DC gave us the Young Animal imprint, but Marvel just give it oh, to I've us lost you. as as an experiment. Oh. oh, you you've lost me. No, there we go. Go back. Cool. Right, but cool. I missed all uh, of that. I was just saying that like I know I know DC have given us you know experimental comics that sometimes feature their beloved characters in through their Young Animal imprint, mm-hmm. but I love that Marvel will take a chance and just do this in regular continuity. Yes. With a highly experimental book yes um like this one i love Um, it it's just it's just so it's so different and so rewarding but it doesn't feel like it portrays any of the comics featuring this character before it like it's this also feels to me like the hulk comic i've been waiting my entire life to read like i've never really enjoyed hulk comics because it's always like oh hulk gets blown into space or hulk fucking (laughs) blah 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 whatever i don't really care i want to see like i've always just wanted a straight up Hulk horror comic and this is giving me everything that I've wanted including and I love it that, that it's Bruce literally wielding 
the Hulk as a weapon as yes. opposed to like, you know, regretfully unleashing it to help people. Yes. And not a hero, yeah. not a superhero, you know? No. It's fucking great. It's very, very clever. And the Alex Ross covers are gorgeous. Like it's worth collecting in single just for those alone. Yeah. And so then it looks like uh, the guy who is the Wendigo. Yes. Is what, what's his name? Um, Walter the Wendigo. Lenk- Lenk- <laughs> Walter Lankowski. Uh, is going to like, we are seeing like threads of either this is just going to be what the next issue is about or this is going to be like an ongoing plot for this series either or I'm I'm, I'm excited but I'm into it this is just a really great comic so good so good um, check it out everyone the Immortal Hulk um, so Thor issue number three written by Jason Aaron with art by Mike Del Mundo I have loved almost every issue of uh, Jason Aaron's now long and legendary Thor run and I have to say this might be the least I've enjoyed it I've probably enjoyed this issue the most since the the renumbering. Yeah, well, I, as in like, so what, issue three of, of three. Yeah. Yeah, sure. But I, I, this was definitely a stronger issue than the last two. But I, I don't know what it is about it. I think it might be that it's entirely narrated by Thor. Um, so there is that uh, telling more than showing. Um, and it is, you know, written in Thor's often funny, but can be quite laborious, you know. Mm. Thor uh, talk. Shakespearean Thor talk. Uh, I don't know. I, I wonder if it is that, like, I love Mike Del Mundo's artwork, but it's not particularly dynamic in parts. And It's um, also sometimes a bit hard to read. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know what it is. I've, I wish I loved, loved this as much as I loved everything that came before it, and I'm sure I will at some point. Yeah. Um, for, me, but, uh, for me, I enjoyed this because this felt like a really pure fun, silly Thor story to me. Like, it sort of um, is, like, really crazy, high-stakes, big, weird space stuff, but then it's got all these, like, silly jokes, and it just feels like a Thor's on an adventure. And also it ends with the wedding being interrupted by Thanos. Yeah. <laughs> and says Thanos would like a word with the groom. Yes, please. Yet That's how I would like all comics marriage. to end. <laughs> Yet another. Um, I, I actually... I understand your... Um, Criticism. I'm not saying I a don't lot. enjoy it. I just like think I, I like they were. That was my favorite comic when when Russell Dorderman was on it. Yeah, um, I enjoyed and... this issue the most out of a Thor issue I've enjoyed in a while. I have to say more than yeah. more than the ending of the Jane Foster stuff. Just kill her already. Then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she then she'd just show up in this arc. Yeah, I know. But I liked Thor convincing Loki to kill him so that he could enter Valhalla and get more um, warriors for their war. Clever, yeah. funny. I liked it. Yeah, that's clever. The, the payoff of this arc is going to be really good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just this 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 arc for me. This issue was good as opposed to my favorite. I think it was great. Good I news. disagree. Um, so now let's talk about uh, the second issue of Tony Stark Iron Man, which is Dan Slott taking over the Iron Man series. You I didn't, didn't read, read it. it. Just um, don't care. I just hate. Yeah. I hate the character. I don't understand why I'm supposed to find him like empathetic or appealing or anything i'm just like oh god kill him already he's brought back like he's very much like this is tony stark the playboy when it is oh that sounds cool what do you want (laughs) do you want him to be like morose and morbid no i don't want want him him? (laughs) i don't like him i don't like him at any stage i don't like him as an alcoholic i don't like him as a recovered alcoholic i don't like him as a playboy i don't like him married i don't like him in any sense fuck him get rid of him not even like on like a team book? No, he's like Elon Musk. No, thank you. No, thank you. 
Do you want to read Elon Musk the comic book? No. Oh, actually, Iron Man starts dating Grimes. Yeah. This issue. <laughs> <laughs> and then he called Rody a pedo. <laughs> See, this is why I don't want to read it. Terrible, didn't, terrible. That didn't happen. Um, I, this, is a, this issue was a marked improvement on that first issue, um, which was, you know, kind of like a big, fun kind of status quo change up one shot. This one sets the wheels in motion for what this plot is going to be about, but it's very much. It feels a very simple, similar to what Slot was doing with the Peter Parker Industries stuff. It's a lot about the workplace, and I didn't really like that that much in the Spider-Man run. Yeah. Um, but I like War Machine a lot. I think James <laughs> Rhodes is one of the better characters in the Iron Man. Uh, it's just a funny. It's just a funny sentence. I like War, I like Machine, War Machine a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he's he's good in this. He he. he um, you know, he's, he's recently returned to life and he admits to Tony in this mid-battle that he's become claustrophobic um, and scared of his suit. Um, oh. And so he steals a much roomier suit from a would-be villain. Um, but then there's some, like, there's a lot of other weird stuff going on with, like, AI, which I don't think is as interesting as Slot hopes it would be, but maybe it will be. I don't know. I'm going to give it a, a bit more of a shot just because I came to regret not reading all of his Spidey run. Um, yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm sure this will, at some point, slot into place. Hey! Hey, all right! Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not enjoying this as much as Bendis's Iron Man at this point, which is really saying something. Hilarious. Um, X-Men Red, written by Tom Taylor, um, with uh, Carmen Carnero on art and uh, Rain Barreto on colours. This is uh, Jean Grey's team, uh, a character that I previously would have said, hey, I don't care about this character one bit, but I like her now. I think she's yeah. pretty good on this in this book. Um, we've also got Nightcrawler, Namor, Trinary, Wolverine, Gentle, Storm, Honey Badger, and Gambit on the team. Uh, a pretty fun, fun team. And yeah. their main antagonist is uh, Cassandra... Nova. Nova um, from Grant Morrison's new X-Men run, um, who is basically uh, encouraging uh, rules all over the world to give uh, everybody these drugs that make them... Or like these nanobites or whatever that make them automatically hate and want to kill mutants. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, pretty pretty classic X Men kind of premise, uh, but told with a very different team and uh, with pretty fun writing by Tom Taylor. Yeah, uh, it's a for me. It's a pretty like paint by numbers X Men team book, but yeah. it's it's my favorite of the X books. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I think X Men is good when it's paint by numbers. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It just is. It's it's a comfort food book. Yes, yes, absolutely. With, with moments of fun and brilliance, but mostly just comfort food. Yeah. Um, are you still reading Infinity Countdown? Ah, uh, okay. Yes. What? I hate this. Uh, when does it Jerry, end? I know. Well, it, so Infinity Countdown is over with this issue, but then we have Infinity Wars Prime number one coming out this week. And uh, then the actual event continues with Infinity, Infinity Wars. I don't know why they've stretched this out so much. It makes no sense that there isn't just a Guardians of the Galaxy book and instead we have this ridiculous, long, event, mm. never-ending event. Um, but it's written by Jerry Duggan, who I still think is doing good work. I just think it, the publishing schedule makes no sense. Yeah. Um, Aaron Cuda and Mike Hawthorne on art. Um, inks by Aaron Cuda and Jose Marzen Jr. Colors by Jordi Valer. Um, various people all around the universe have the Infinity Stones. Um, from Doctor Strange and Black Widow and Turk Barrett in New York City. 
um, and then uh, Star Lord and Drax and Adam Warlock, and then I think Ultron slash Hank Pym has the other. Oh no, I, I can't remember who's got the other one. It's written here somewhere. Captain Marvel has the other one. Yeah. Um, and so basically, <laughs> at the end of this issue, um, all you need to know is that Doctor Strange, uh, using the stone that he has, he calls out to all the people who hold hold a stone and uh, tells them to come and meet him at Central Park for a meeting uh, where they can discuss making sure they keep the stones out of Thanos' hands. Seems safe bringing them all to one place. In New York, where nothing bad ever happens. It's a good call, Doc. Uh, Loki's on the front cover of the next issue, so he must have a part to play in this event too. God, I uh, just don't care. Are you going to continue reading it? Probably because I hate myself. <laughs> there's, there's moments of goodness in it, but I just I don't understand the choice to have it published in the way they're doing it. No. I mean, they just want to try and make fucking money. That's true. Tie into Infinity War. Um, Avengers this week, uh, written by Jason Aaron, with art by Ed McGuinness and Taco Medina. Um, issue number five came out this week. Um, we've also got uh, inks by Juan Velasco, Mark Morales, and Carl Story, and colors by David Curiel. Um, still re- reading this, waiting for it to get its hooks in me. Yet to do so. It's not a bad yeah. comic. It just is nowhere near as good as a, a as what my brain thought an, an Avengers book written by Jason Aaron would be. Same. Um, Nate, my the lovely Nate, my lovely boyfriend Nate, um, kept shouting at me when I was reading it because he's like, you're reading it too slow. Read it faster. <laughs> Don't read the words. Just look at the pictures. And you know what? That's actually a much better way to read the issue. If you just are like, hmm, Ed McGuinness, la, 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 la. It's actually um, a much more compelling book. And in the end, they're all giant like mechs for some reason. Yeah, totally. Great. So, yeah, uh, yeah, Ghost Rider is now piloting this old celestial being. Thor is giant and She-Hulk is She-Hulk giant because they took some weird elixir uh, and Tony has made an enormous mech. Uh, so it's them versus there's enormous sentinels. So at least the, uh, the final issue of this is going to be big and stupid. <laughs> but, you know, I'd like a bit more. I know that we just talked about how we don't want, um, you don't like Iron Man being so office-based, office but I'd like a bit more like, oh, the Avengers all live in one building and they have to yeah, that's and get great. breakfast. That's my favorite shit. Come on. Give him a house again. What about a butler? You're, you're anti-butler, right? Uh, I am. I am anti-butler yeah. because of class <laughs> issues. <laughs> um, so uh, I read Star Wars Darth Vader Annual, issue number two, or annual number two, written by Chuck Wendig with great pencils by Leonard Kirk. It was cool to see him show up on this book. Um, he previously did a bunch of uh, Tom Taylor's Wolverine run. Um, Walden Wong and Scott Hanna on inks and Nolan Wooded on colors. Again, another um, often uh, Tom Taylor collaborator. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, this was interesting in that it had a lots of different characters from the Star Wars Rogue One movie. Uh, the Ursos were in this, um, Commander Krennic, um, and um, of course, uh, Emperor, uh, sorry, uh, Governor Ta- Tarkin were all in this. And uh, I don't know if the story was that interesting, but it was just cool seeing those characters show up in another piece of media. <laughs> That had a Star Wars logo on it. Like it wasn't, yeah. I don't know, whatever. It's yeah, a, cool. I, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to enjoy this annual. And I was like, oh, cool. They're in it. All right. That, they certainly were in it. That tricked me into enjoyment. Uh, there was a lot of shit in it that I didn't like, but I did like that. Um, so if you are a big fan of Rogue One, uh, I'm in the, I don't know if I'm in the minority or not. I really liked Rogue One. Did you see it? Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. Um, Grim. But, uh, 
this was kind of it was fun seeing them kind of people play with the characters that were introduced in that yeah there you go uh, final Marvel book for me, unless you've got one more. Great. Final Runaways. One. Yay. Guess I what, everybody? Runaways. I loved Runaways. <laughs> In a shocking turn of events, it's the best Marvel book of the week again every week that it comes out. Rainbow Rowell on writing, Chris Anker on art, and Matthew Wilson on colors make issue 11 of Runaways an absolute joy from cover to cover. It's the makeover issue. Uh, so Gert, who has, uh, in the entirety of her life, um, be it alive or dead, uh, has always had purple hair. As a and rebellion, specifically as a rebellion. <laughs> and there's a brilliant moment where she escapes her kind of, you know, motley crew of runaways um, and goes out into the wild um, and sees that everyone else has purple hair like she does. And she, it's no longer an act of rebellion that she thought it once was. Uh, so the kind of big moment in this, you know, would-be superhero book yeah. is that she dyes her hair brown. <laughs> yeah, and starts curling it and gets a new outfit. Fucking yes, uh, please. But, but like, yeah. But we also see Victor get a makeover. And yes. we, like, that was a great character moment for him where Doombot brings him a new body, but it's like a weapon body. And Victor's like, ah, 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 get it off me. I don't like it. Anyway, that was fucking so good. So just, good. I'm. We're so blessed to have this book exist. Yes. I. I. And I. I'm going to be absolutely mortified if it ever gets cancelled. Um, yeah. Because it is. I think I enjoy this more than the Brian K. Vaughan original Runaway series, which I previously said was probably my favorite Marvel book. Chris Anker um, is just so fucking good. Yeah, that has a big part to do with it. Um, but uh, I just I love how this series is just allowing it to be a book about runaways who happen to have powers and every issue allows, you know, one or two of each of them to have these very, very personal, massive moments Mm -hmm. that aren't fighting. Mm -hmm. You know, there's been such little action Mm -hmm. throughout this, but it's it's not boring ever. And we also get to see what happened to uh, another runaway from a previous run, Clara. The the Joss Whedon run, which have you ever read that? The six issues he did? They go back in time and rescue like a slave girl. It's not very good. And I, but, you know, I, I like that they didn't ignore all the previous lore. Yeah. And, uh, so we see what happens to her, why she's not on the team anymore. Uh, Clara is her name. Uh, yeah. Don't read the Just Weird and Run, everybody. Just read this. Oh, there's one good moment with the Punisher in, in his run. It's pretty fun. Oh, yeah? M- Molly, like, kicks the Punisher in the balls or something. Pretty funny. Nice. Um, let's talk about DC books now. I've got a small, small handful. Yep. Um, and... Uh, Hilariously, when I asked Shavonda before we recorded the episode to pick any comic from her pile, <laughs> up, she picked up Batman 51, uh, a comic uh, which she sledged the, the previous issue of for good reason. Absolutely. Uh, but this is uh, Tom King uh, continuing his Batman run, which he apparently plans to do until issue 100. So we are just past the halfway point. Or uh, someone kills him first. <laughs> um, don't say that. Don't even joke I about know, that. I know. I know. He has to have guards at Comic Con. I know. <laughs> Um, but uh, I, I I was ready to tap out after issue 50 and then I saw that the preview for this issue uh, had him returning uh, with um, artist Lee Weeks. With colours um, by Elizabeth Brightweiser. Yep, and that is how you keep me reading your book. Same. That is how you um, get me to give a good review of Batman 51 because I loved this issue. Yeah, okay. So that go was on, a tell good me issue. Tell me why you loved it. I did not see that coming at all. <laughs> <laughs> because it's a fucking courtroom drama about... Mr. Freeze and Batman going too far because he's sad because Catwoman left him and it's 
in, like unbelievably beautifully illustrated. So not- beautifully illustrated. And not everything's nine panels, and it's not <laughs> ultra depressing and grim about fucking, um, you know, PTSD. And at some point, Batman rips a urinal off the wall and throws it. His greatest ex-rival, the urinal. <laughs> it's um, the Batman versus urinal issue we've all been waiting for. But I think, I think, like, I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever read a Batman story where Bruce Wayne kind of tricks his way onto a jury to be able to um, defend Victor Freeze because he knows that Batman um, unjustly caught him. Like, it wasn't Victor Freeze's fault. It, he was just angry because Catwoman left him. Anyway, I thought this was a good issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. I really I'm also it, just I, trying to be contrary, but I did really enjoy it. I especially loved the artwork. The 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 title page where you have uh, Bruce and all the other members of yes. the jury. Um, we see a bird's eye view of their of their meeting, and it's just an unbelievable double spread. Um, yes. Of course, there's some great action moments throughout it. Colors by Elizabeth Brightweiser are off the charts, but. Man, this is a beautiful looking issue of Batman. Yeah, Lee Weeks is one of my. Uh, all-time perfect Batman artists. Yeah, well, I mean, considering he only recently started drawing him, like yeah. it's uh, it's insane for him to be, be like this god-tier Batman artist. And what a what uh, a Bruce Wayne he draws as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, if, if you haven't read much of Lee Weeks' stuff, he did lots of great uh, Daredevil stuff that he actually wrote too, which I'd highly recommend too. Oh, cool. Good shit. Um, so yeah, that's a great issue of Batman. So <laughs> there we go, everybody. We're big Batman fans again. Hey, keeping you on your toes. <laughs> Um, did you continue reading Justice League? No. No, I didn't. I decided I'm f- I was firmly done with that shit. It was a better issue this week, written by Scott Sider with Jorge Jimenez on art and um, colours by Alejandro Sanchez. Uh, it's still absolute fucking nonsense, but it knew that it was in this issue. It didn't try and cram bullshit, super serious pseudoscience down my gullet. Um, but... I think it, what's fun about this is that there uh, there's so many pit players on each team. You have uh, the Legion of Doom with Lex Luthor and Joker and Sinestro, Black Manta, Cheetah, um, and Gorilla Grodd. In fact, there's some great Grodd stuff that you would have really loved in this. I love see, Grodd. Uh, some like early moments from Grodd's life. Um, of course, there is some bullshit featuring the new color of Lantern that you would probably hate. But uh, it's just fun seeing both teams divvied up going head to head against each other um, with some pretty fun dialogue and seeing Lex Luthor just win um, it's always fun these issues are always kind of fun where like the bad guys just wipe the floor with um, with yep. the Justice League um, yeah pretty fun fun issue I'm nice. glad I kept reading nice Injustice 2 how about this yep because as much as I like Justice League my goodness this, is this the was better so much Justice League <laughs> Uh, Injustice 2 is written by Tom Taylor. Um, this issue featured art by um, someone whose name is Zermanico. Great. Um, with colors by Jay Nanjian. Um, I have a question. Yes, please. So yeah. Guy Gardner is a figment of Hal Jordan's imagination? Um, well, only because he died. Remember I told you this last time? Yeah, I Ga- forgot. Hal, Hal allied, allowed um, Guy Gardner to be killed by Sinestro. Oh. Um yeah, and he because he regrets it so much, um, Guy Gardner now appears as a figment of uh, of Hal Jordan's imagination. Great, and it's, it's I don't know it's really fun. It's like the best version of Guy Gardner I've read in ages, and he's like a, a fucking spectre. Yeah, it works. <laughs> um, and so yeah, the, the the kind of crux of the the action now is that um, the Red Lanterns have gotten 
have made Starro a Red Lantern. Um, and so they have Starro's mind, mind control power plus his un- unmatched rage. And uh, basically they completely like decimate the Guardians and most of the Green Lantern Corps. Um, and uh, it looks like it's going to be up to uh, Blue Beetle, um, fucking... Lobo. Lobo. Some Kara, not Kara. Who's who's Wonder Girl? What, is that Cassie? Cassie and um, Connor and Connor to save the day. And Booster. And Booster. Um, so like that, just if you are a DC nut like I once was, that is just absolute crack. Yeah, <laughs> this was a good fun issue. Makes you wish that Tom Taylor was just riding a league. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely agreed. Ah, good shit though. Good shit. Um, um, also. So the- Oh, yep. oh, I read the, the last issue of Batman, uh, The Brave and the Bold, Batman and Wonder Woman, written, the brave and the bold. Illustrated, <laughs> written illustrated by Liam Sharp. And this is the Batman and Wonder Woman Take Mythical Island book, but fucking hell, I would follow Liam Sharp to the ends of the earth. He is so fucking good. What's he, what's, what did he just get announced doing at Comic-Con? I don't know. Something amazing. Something amazing. Mm, I can't I'll remember. Look you, I'll look it up while you talk up. Um, okay. So this is like a, a murder mystery book, but set in Tiananog, the mythical um, city of the sort of fallen heroes of Irish mythology. So this is oh, like... fuck. Sorry. It's, they're doing a... Uh, he and Grant Morrison are doing... Yes! A yes! <laughs> can't, can't wait to it's edit that so part of the, good. Uh, the podcast. <laughs> That's going to be like, that That gives me like really good sort of Alan Moore, early Hal Jordan, Green Lantern vibes. And I'm fucking so excited about that. Good Lord. Nothing. Um, I literally am. Look at how good Liam Sharp's um, Commissioner Gordon is. I'm trying to hold it up to the camera. Yeah, it's great. Oh, wow. It's grizzled anyway, as hell. Grizzled as all get out. Um, it's just the story. Who knows what really happened in it? Some crazy shit, and one woman saves the day. Some Irish shit happens. Some people have horns. Some people don't. Um, but Liam Sharp is the fucking man, and I I think he's so so talented. And this is a really gorgeous book, and like a, a solid Batman and Wonder Woman story as well. What issue number was that? That was the final issue, issue six, six issue miniseries. There you go. Would you recommend it in trade to everybody? I would. Cool. Maybe not everybody. Have a look. See if it looks like your kind of thing. But if you like. Um, Comics about Ireland and Batman. Batman. Does Batman say "Die, Dicky, Die, Dum, Die, Dum, Do" at any point? No. <laughs> Damn. No, no sale. No um, the sale. Wildstorm issue number fifteen came out this week with one of the best covers um, yeah. I've seen in a while, which was lovingly recreated by the King's Comics staff uh, on the uh, King's Comics Instagram, which is at King's Comics. At King's Comics. Um, yeah, uh, featuring Jim, the yeah. uh, aforementioned. Uh, uh, poison chef, yeah, <laughs> um, with a with a with a wool based alien bursting yeah. out of his face. Uh, very cool stuff. He was uh, like, "Why do I have to do it?" And I was like, "Cause casting, Jim. Who else is that supposed to be?" Anyway. <laughs> so the one thing that I I know for sure while reading this uh, very insane series by Warren Ellis, uh, John Davis Hunt, and uh, S. Butchelado is it? Yep, Butchelado. Whoever that is. Um, the one thing I know is that. You know, no matter how batshit insane and how many new characters are added and 
how hard to follow the plot can sometimes be, this is mostly about a war between Earth and space. And yes. the two evil white men who lead both of those, uh, or both of the organizations on both of them. Um, and uh, we're meeting like various people who have been given gifts from alien races um, that kind of manifest as different superpowers. Um, some of them are working with different organizations. Some of them are being hunted down by, uh, by outliers. Um, and uh, man, this is uh, just a very, very cool series. And yeah. whenever, whenever Warren Ellis writes a mostly silent action, like, you know, six pages of action um, for, for John Davis Hunt to draw, it is as good as comics get. Yes. Because that, that man can draw a hell of an action scene. And I would love to see Warren Ellis' script, um, you know, if, if he leaves it all up to John Davis Hunt or if he, you know, painstakingly describes what happens in each one. Because yeah, totally. I wouldn't be surprised at either, to be honest. Um, yeah, this is full of, like, classic Warren Ellis, really dark humour and really sort of horrible, obnoxious characters who you just kind of love because they're so hilarious. Um, and it's it's grim and it's violent and it's funny and it's gory and it's brilliant. Yep. Very, very good shit. Everyone's swearing and drinking whiskey and fucking coffee. Whatever. Hell yeah. Fuck Batman. Fuck Batman. Come on, that was great. Are you excited for the Titan series? The chance that I will watch it is so slim. Because um, you have to subscribe to a special DC network just to get access to it. Yeah, there's no fucking <laughs> way I'm doing that. Um, but that made me laugh a lot. That made me laugh <laughs> a lot. That was almost enough to convince me. That was the most, that's the most like, you know, for a company known for being tone deaf, like at the best of times, that was yeah. amazingly like, like <laughs> which, which fans asked for this? All right. <laughs> I love it. Instead of releasing the Snyder Cut of, uh, of Justice League, they decided to make an entire series based on the spirit of the Snyder <laughs> Cut. Oh, my God. If I was a DC writer right now, I would make a new villain for the Justice League to fight called Snyder Cut. <laughs> I think they might get in trouble if they did that. That'd be great. Uh, Deathbed is uh, the finale, gave us the finale um, this week, the sixth issue of this Vertigo series, written by Joshua Williamson with art by Riley Rosmo and Ivan Placencia, about a uh, famous adventurer who, uh, upon his deathbed, realized that he does not want to be forgotten and wants a writer who has accomplished comparatively little in her life to uh, basically, you know, take down all of his incredible adventures so that no one will remember him as anything less than an incredible hero. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this was a pretty, at times, bizarre series um, mm-hmm. where we learnt, you know, the extent of this adventurer's crazy uh, past and mm-hmm. the awful things that he did uh, while having adventures um, and the repercussions these adventures had on entire planets, mm-hmm. uh, let alone people. Uh, and... Uh, it came to a pretty sweet finale that I wasn't expecting about, yeah. you know, how maybe this writer lived as full a life as he did. Yeah. Also, we haven't been able to do this for a little while, but Dong Watch, Dong Watch, mirroring the first issue in which a old man jumps out of bed and attacks everyone nude. This issue has a really old man with a really shriveled old dong jump <laughs> out of bed and attack our heroes. Great. Thank you. Well done. Good Thank job, Riley Rosmo. That was a good dong bell as well that you Thank just Thank you. What was it? That was my glass of water. Oh, very good. Good dong bell. Yeah, there you go. If, if you ever want to make a dong bell at home, kids, all you need <laughs> is a glass and some water. 
Um, but I thought the series wrapped up really well. There were times yeah. in the middle where I was growing tired of it, but I'm glad I stuck through to the end. It'll definitely be great in trade. Absolutely. Um, and uh, the ending was was uh, sweet and funny. And satisfying. Um, and, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, and Riley Rossmo is awesome, and I can't wait to see what they do next. Absolutely. So, we've done DC, we've done Marvel, we've done Image. The only thing left to do is other publishers. I've got three more comics to talk about. I got two. Siobhan's got two. Boombox gave us two books this week that I read. The first of which I'm going to get out of the way very quickly. I read the second issue of By Night, the John Allison uh, series. The guy who gave oh, us I Giant Days. His new kind of semi-supernatural best friends going somewhere weird uh, series. Uh, with art by Christine Larson and Sarah Stern. Love the art on this book. Uh, wasn't quite sure of the dialogue and story. I think this is just a big not-for-me series. Um, and, I, and I need to go and read Giant Days, I think, because yeah. I like that a lot more. Bad Machinery anyway. as well is great. Okay, cool. Um, on to the fucking best book ever. Fence. Yes. <laughs> Fence. Um, Love books about fencing, apparently. It, or only when beautiful boys are holding those swords. Absolutely. Uh, Fence is a book by C.S. Picat. Joanna the Mad and Joanna Lafuente. Um, it's out through Boombox. It is about uh, a, a series of uh, of young males who are at school, a school for fencing. And uh, this definitely is highly influenced by sports manga mm-hmm. in that um, we are currently at these like finals in which all the boys find out if they uh, continue in their fencing scholarship or they get booted um, because they didn't make the school team. Um, and so we have all these characters that we've met over the previous seven issues um, going head to head. Each issue we see like kind of like a main fight between uh, kind of the two of the more established characters. And in this one, we see Seiji, who is kind of pitched as the almost the antagonist of this book uh, at the start. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like the he's basically like he's one of the highest ranked fencers in the world. And we see him go up against the captain of the fencing team, who is an older, um, very respectable um, figure. Uh, and uh, when Seiji mops the floor with him the rest of the boys f- at the school finally know what Seiji is capable of as a fencer mm. um, and uh, this was a a great great book every every issue it's you would think that like there are only so many ways you can show a fencing fight in uh, in a comic and visually yeah sure but where this book th- excels is that um, they will like sometimes they'll give you someone narrating the sword fight mm-hmm. and telling you how each character is is winning or how what they're doing that's that's making them not win and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. But this one took the approach of we see the fight happen and then we give it we get an explanation afterwards. Mm-hmm. And while it's just a, such a small difference, it really I don't know I, I I love how well they communicate the language of fencing and how someone would be good at the sport versus someone who is bad, well, not, you know, comparatively bad at the sport. Mm-hmm. Also, it being so much about the drama of all of these young dudes at school together. Plus, we haven't even brought up, like, all of the romances. Yeah, totally. Like, um, I... Uh, Harvard and Aiden. I'm excited mm-hmm. for that pairing to happen. I can't wait for Nicholas and Seiji to finally smooch. Yes, please. Thank you. You reckon that's going to happen? Yes. Awesome. Have you never read, um, <laughs> like, gay fan fiction before? <laughs> Clearly not. I, I feel really lame that I spend, I'm about to say no. But, yeah, no, yeah. sorry. <laughs> well, look, I have. Send me your best um, gay, fiction, gay fan fiction, please, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> To my house. Send it via mail uh, in, a, in an envelope, clearly marked, clearly marked inside contains 
uh, gay fan fiction. <laughs> anyway, I just love I love all of this so much. I'm such a Joanna the Mad fan now. Um, yep. CS Picat is just she's so something else. Picat is she's Australian. The writer is jo- Joanna the Mad, the uh, Australian as well. No, no, no. They no, met okay. online. Cool. Um, there is a great moment in this where we meet uh, the various other um, highly ranked uh, Olympic level fences. Mm-hmm. We see them in, in panels. Seiji is one of them, um, and we see there's a there's a couple of panels like we see they'll have amazing names. There's Jesse Cost, there's Marcel Bear, um, Sungul Park, and then there's uh, a couple of girls in the mix too. We don't know their names, but I hope we see stories uh, with them. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, it's, I'm all it's... for a book about a girl in in a hijab. Uh, fencing. fencing yes i want that you can't tease fencing, me with that fencing private school boys that sounds <laughs> fucking incredible <gasps> that sounds so good um and i we like it uh, the the diversity of this book is really like understated um but powerful like the fencing coach is a very very dark-skinned black woman and i think you very rarely see different shades of um black skin in comic books and so that's really Mm. refreshing to see like the difference between like her and harvard um Mm -hmm. and it's just it's it's such a delight this book is such a delight yep it's it's just it's i can't imagine anyone not enjoying it this and runaways are like my surefire hits like i'm like yes it's a runaways and fence week hooray i know they were the they were the first two i read this week you (laughs) fucked up though yeah i know but i just couldn't i couldn't help it but uh, immortal hulk joins that uh that accolade this week i think and also, uh, our final, oh, well, my final book. Your final book? I want book? to. Yep. Ether. Ether, The Copper Golems. By Matt Kint and David Rubin. Issue three. This is the, the second uh, series of Ether. Um, we previously loved the last one. It's out through Dark Horse. It's good shit. It's good um, shit. This issue was great. I thought that this, I mean, I feel like we haven't been raving about this series as much as the last one, but... Um, we were, we did, I loved the first issue. Like I, the, the first yeah. issue had that incredibly crushing moment yeah. where it's revealed that his daughter is the one to, um, interrogating him in, yeah. on, when he's back in on Earth. Uh. Um, but the second issue, I like was just kind of like antics, yeah. <laughs> which were fun. But I like the level of drama and personal um, moments that this series often provides, and uh, they brought that back somewhat yes. in this issue. Um, and there's, there's a mystery, this... and sorry, I just, yeah, I just yeah. remembered the mystery and like um, the art. I just. I will never get over how good David Rubin is. Like the the colors are so phenomenal. It's like the final crazy page LSD of this issue. Trip. We see we it, it ends up with the to be continued um, with uh, our heroes about to face a bunch of scary giant mummies. mummies. Um, but then we get like a did you get did you do you have an epilogue page as well? Yeah, yeah, like a little bit of um relationship history for our um Boone the hero of our story and is her name Violet the the sort of fairy who seems to be accompanying him on his trip and it seems like they could have had a relationship but his his passion for his work always gets in the way yeah. of any sort of relationship he might be able to have well, he, the, the entire earth you know is on his shoulders so i understand mm. why but I don't know. I, I was confused as to when that takes place. Yeah, I sort of just assumed it was past. Okay. All right. Interesting. Um, yeah. Great anyway, issue. I love great this series. Book. It's a good one to end on. Ether. Absolutely. A very, very good book with great art and great colors. Mm hmm. 
Um, that is it for the show. Another, oh, uh, another, that was a another big week. Big week. And uh, I haven't even put my order in this week for, uh, oh. for the comics. I better do that now before Jim gets angry and poisons yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you would like to come and discuss the show with us um, and maybe give uh, Siobhan, you know, uh, your own re- homemade remedies for, uh, for gastro. Oh, my God. Uh, you can find us at facebook.com slash groups slash Serious Issues Podcast or just at facebook.com slash Serious Issues Podcast. Throw us a like. And we'll give you a bike. That's the rule. Um, <laughs> uh, you can find all the comics we talked about on the show at King's Comics, kingscomics.com or 310 Pitt Street, Sydney. Um, we're on Twitter at Sirius underscore underscore issues. And we have a Patreon, um, which you can support the show and gain access to a bonus episode that went up shortly after last week's episode in which Siobhan talks about her uh, very candid thoughts um, after attending a, uh, a Sydney-based comic book awards ceremony called The Ledgers. Mm. Is it called The Ledgers because it's named after Heath Ledger? No. It's, there, okay. there was a cartoonist called Someone Ledger, but I don't know who that is. Keith Ledger. Keith Ledger. Um, and uh, it's a pretty scandalous 10 minutes. Uh, definitely worth the small amount of money it costs to support us on Patreon. Just a couple of bucks in each month. Mm-hmm. Gains you access to multiple bonus episodes that we've put up in the past. Uh, and... Uh, another way to kind of get in touch and support the show. Um, it's a lot of work to put this show together each week. So we definitely appreciate it when everyone, anyone jumps on board. Um, thank you so much for listening. Thanks um, guys. Siobhan, is there anything that coming out fucking today that, um, that uh, you want to give a shout out to? Probably, but I haven't looked. Um, I'm going to sort I'm on kingscomics.com. I'm going to sort by featured and I'm going to say, uh, Action Comics 1001. That's certainly coming out. <laughs> yeah. Sure I, is. I, yep. I'm so that's sure there's some do. stuff, guys. There's lots of other things. Yeah. Blackwood, issue three. That looks good. There's a book called Bone Parish. Great. Is that a, is that a book about a sex church? <laughs> Don't tempt me. Let's find out next week. See you next week, everybody. Sex church. <laughs> Thanks, guys. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.